Clubhouse. Welcome to Decorating the Set, from Hollywood to your home, with your hosts, Beth Kushnick and Caroline Daly. Hey, Beth. Hi, Caroline. Springtime is approaching. Can you believe it? 2022 is flying by. It's going fast. Oh my God, my azalea's already blooming. It's so colorful outside. I'm ready to bring some of that inside, breathe some new life into my house. And there's no better way to do this than I know fresh coats of paint on my walls. With this in mind, we're excited this week to be discussing paint and color for your home. Beth, before we get started in my home and all of our listeners' home, talk to us a little bit about how paint and colors affect your work on the set. Well, they affect all of us extensively because in film and television projects, color is really the beginning vital part of defining a character and the design that's the takeoff of that. Many fans have always wanted to live surrounded by this specific color beach glass from Benjamin Moore, which I had in my own bedroom at the time and then used in Alicia Florek's bedroom, which became a kind of iconic look. We took that color, which was a really beautiful sea blue green, little bit of teal in it to pretty much design the rest of Alicia's apartment. We riffed off that and came up with some other not so widely used choices, for instance, like the dark purple eggplant color in her dining room, which people loved. And actually, I think those two colors are my most asked question from fans, <laughs> even all these years later. <laughs> what exact draw do those colors have for you? I tend to gravitate towards those colors in all of my work, clothing, I'm, I'm more of a cool color person, you know, versus really warm tones. You know, the thing that everyone needs to remember is that color is really very complicated and layered and completely subjective. It's very, very, very personal. You know, what colors you're drawn to can be affected by so many things. How you grew up, what colors you were surrounded by, what was trending at the time, you know, it was certain times of your life. I remember at the appropriate moment having my bedroom repainted the perfect peach Oh, yes. I remember Peach. My sister did Peach. Peach. (laughs) You know, color (laughs) evokes many feelings and sense memories. I happen to be influenced by my mother, who I think was in her own way, incredibly daring with color. Her china pattern, which I still have and actually am about to take out of storage after many years, is this incredibly dark, unusual, teal green, almost black, solid color plates with a silver band. When I think back to the 1960s, early 60s, late 50s, that she chose that color 
really said so much about her ability to think outside the box. And she also influenced me by choosing this beautiful dark red, almost a brick color red for our dining room. And when I had my first house, I I used the same color. So I think people gravitate to things that have had special memories for them, driven by color. It can create so much connection to your past or even to your future by being bold and trying new things because, you know, it's such a cost-effective and really a time-effective way to make an incredibly bold change and influence your mood in your home. My own mom, Beth, you're going to love this. And you're going to love this that I remember the paint color. She did mauve and Wedgwood blue. Love it. Wedgwood blue sticks in my brain. It's like in my crawl. I will never forget Wedgwood blue. (laughs) Because it was, it's soothing. It's a soothing color. It's easy to live with. I mean, that's the other thing, you know, we've talked so much during the pandemic, which here we are being in our homes for two years, almost to the day. What has come out of this in terms of design, whether it's in the United States, whether it's internationally, where we have many, many listeners, color and design have changed to kind of absorb what we're experiencing and to create environments that are soothing, that are lighter, that are happier. All of those scenarios get dictated by trendsetters, by color of the year announcements. We start to see this take off in all aspects of home decor. Beth, do you feel like you have a current favorite color? Uh, You can never get me away from that teal, but soft, the beach glass, the blues. Uh, Literally last week, I was asked by two different friends of mine in two different, completely different situations, a a house by the ocean and an apartment in Manhattan. You know, what are your go-to colors? One of my most neutral palette go-to combinations that I think is really timeless. And all of these colors are Benjamin Moore colors is silver satin on the walls and atrium white on the ceiling and the doors and all the trim. Atrium white has a very warm tone to it of all the whites, almost a little bit of a pink cast. Not that I would want to scare anyone away from it um, by it's saying no that. moth and Wedgwood blue. No, it's not. <laughs> but it really offsets the silver satin, which again, you know, we, we have spoken of this before, Carolyn, but you know, with the ability to have large peel and stick samples that you can order online so easily. What I always want people to do is take those samples and put them at different times of the day for different types of light, rainy day, sunny day, and put them on different walls in each room that you're painting because light obviously affects color. That's part of this really important thing to consider about color. One of my favorite things to do in houses I design and apartments is this burst of jewel box creation, entryway, you know, small room kind of impactful color. 
I sit at my desk here in my apartment recording our podcast, and it's a completely white desk with a drop leaf, but the interior of the desk is painted blue. That's actually how I got it. And one of the reasons why I was so drawn to this piece of furniture, there are so many ways to paint the back of a bookcase in a bright color or use a bright colored wallpaper. There's so many ways to bring color into an environment. For me on set, you can literally define a character in their setting, in their wardrobe by their color. And Then, of course, we have all our issues of skin tone and how things look on camera. So we do a lot of color testing. We do camera tests before we start any show or film. And, you know, we test certain lights, we test certain colors, all to make sure that the actors look their best and the wall colors don't scream at you or at the viewer. (laughs) And that things are well-balanced and soothing. What are some of the colors of the year that you see being used so often? Well, the Pantone 2022 color of the year is called Very Perry. I associate it with being the closest to my all-time favorite color, the color that I am, I think my eyeballs are drawn to, which I have always referred to as cornflower blue. And Very Perry is is extremely close to that. Cornflower blue is something that is so deeply beautiful to me. All colors that are found in nature, I find bringing back into your home, even if they're pumped up a bit, even if they're brighter. Cornflower blue is sort of the color of the lighter part of an iris flower. A lot of pottery in the 1940s and 50s are made in cornflower blue. I have a big collection of cornflower blue, white, and a kind of beautiful beach glass green pottery collection. Again, we're back to colors of nature. The Benjamin Moore color of the year, 2022, is October Mist. Everyone is kind of going for that zen easy to live with, easy to mix with other things. You know, we've done a lot of repurposing rooms in our homes and different pieces of furniture. There have been some great ways to take old furniture during this time and put on a bright, bright coat of paint and change up the hardware and change the whole piece and mix and match with what you might have had before. It's definitely still continuing with the bringing the outside in. Like these colors definitely feel like my favorite plant is the plumbago. um, And it has all those same purples and blues that you were talking about. Your cornflower and your very peri are kind of like all mixed into that flower. It's so beautiful. And I feel like people are really itching to bring that outside in kind of even more now than initially in the pandemic. People really are feeling like they need to mesh the outside and inside. Honestly, I think that's one of the biggest and best things that's come out of the way that we've been forced to live. People consider their outdoor environment in a way... I I mean, I'll tell you, I'm working at a 
soundstage and in my office and there's no windows. And it's the first time I've been in the office so much. I go downstairs and all the loading dock doors are open and the air comes in and it's just this incredible relief and everybody feels so good. There's this one area right near those doors where people have been congregating. I really think I know why, you know, it's just, we're all so used to trying to live some of our life outdoors. Um, And now that we're back on stage, it really makes a difference. So yes, as a matter of fact, the big logo of the stage that I'm working on is painted in all of those same colors. You know, there's so many choices and so many ways to go, you know, putting up a sample, doing a wall. I mean, you just can't make a mistake. Color helps people, whether they have a trained eye or not, you have an opinion, you know, you kind of know what feels good, you know, what tastes good, right? What are your likes and dislikes? It's so easy to tell right away from painting just a oversized swatch on a wall, whether it's something that you're going to want to live with. So are there colors that we want to avoid? Because I know you just said that you can't really make a mistake. But at the same time, there are colors that can be a little bit more difficult to live with, I want to say. Yes, I definitely have my opinion about those. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, there there's a couple of things that I prescribe to. I'm not a fan of what I call the tutti fruity house where every door you open, you open into another color. I am all about kind of unifying the palette with maybe the exception of the master bedroom, or as I said, the entryway or jewel box. I kind of like to stay consistent with a neutral throughout. And the interesting thing is, you know, with all this new kind of building and the way that we're living, it's very hard to find a wall that ends these days. You know, everything in the open concept. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really hard to say, okay, I'm going to end my color there. Yeah, well, especially with your jewel box idea. It's like, you want to have that, but like, I have no idea where to end and then just go, you know, so that that one stands out on its own. Well, that works if you have the architecture for it. If you have an arch or an entry, you know, when we were working on Katie and Andrew's dining room for our frontline worker giveaway, they had arches that went into the rest of their house. And as we talked about, you know, I noticed that the arch was still white and not the color that they had painted in the dining room. And it was such a natural thing that when they added the color to that arch, it ended the wall, really. So the first thing you have to do is look and see if your floor plan can accommodate it. I'm still not really a fan of opening every door and seeing a different color. Of course, if you have kids, that's a different story because I really encourage kids' personal expression, even if they decide to paint their bedroom black. Oh, yes. We all had those years. (laughs) It's really okay. (laughs) And for people who aren't really allowed to paint their rooms, like us apartment dwellers, again, with wallpaper, peel and stick and all kinds of 
fabrics available and other things you can bring color into your life i tend to stay away from pukey colors you know oh, sure. um, the colors, colors to avoid <laughs> you know like um, we all know that colors of puke unpure colors you know okay. like uh, muddy looking muddy muddy colors or colors that diaper colors to, these things yeah but i mean even <laughs> like colors that tend to have a green cast to them there are sort of unwritten rules people say you know don't use bright colors in your bedroom because you won't have a restful sleep and don't use greens or those kinds of pukey colors near your kitchen because it's not conducive to food and eating. I mean, it is a combination of light, natural light. You know me and my incandescent light bulbs. But if your whole house is fluorescent (laughs) lights or LED lights, you really should think about color. One thing that I've figured out as I've gotten older and I've experienced a lot of different people's homes is that not everybody sees color the same way. Oh, that is for sure true. I can tell you that I worked with someone for many, many years and we had a situation where two rolls of carpet were ordered. One was gray and one was blue and they were not close in color. And I realized after all those years that actually the person I was working with was colorblind. Oh, goodness. Because they weren't able to discern the two. So, yes, it's true that everyone has a different viewpoint. It's so subjective. It's so personal. And what I find is that everyone describes color differently. When I meet with private clients and we review this and I have conversations Those buzzwords that people use, that's a really good way to figure out and look through their eyes and know how they're seeing. If they say, oh, I love this green. It's so beautiful. It reminds me of this field outside my house I grew up on. You know, that's giving me information, even though I may look at that green and think, Oh, that is a terrible green. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And it's and it's fascinating how you're saying that the color actually taps into your memories. So then it becomes actually a different color to that person because they're not actually seeing the color in front of them. They're associating it with a memory of a different color. It's true. It really literally creates a sense memory where you're combining visually with other senses, other parts of you, you know, that bring you back. You know, it's it's so evocative of times in our lives, what things were. I mean, when, when I look at old movies that I've done, I mean, okay, even if they're... 20 years old. I mean, the entire palette is different. The focus of the time period is different. When I work on a period show, very often, not only the patterns and the wallpaper and the fabrics are different, but the whole entire palette is different. So it's interesting to be able to have all of that come up for people in so many different ways, then when you consider it, how many colors are available to us? I know. It's overwhelming when you walk into a paint store. Even the paint swatches that I have as a professional, they're made in larger swatches. They actually come in what's almost a suitcase. 
for oh Benjamin God. Moore. The, the color wow. deck is so big, and, <laughs> and I have two of them. So how do you recommend when someone has such a huge array of choices? Like, how do you even begin to narrow it down? And should you get other people's opinions if we all see color differently? Like, what if I'm, like, completely going to assault the eyes of all of my friends and family because I see it differently than these other people? How do I go about sort of narrowing it down and then making a, a good choice? Well, there are a lot of options right now because there are so many furniture companies and so many ways online where you can see, let's say, a sofa in a different fabric in different colors. But even more so, you can see things now in other people's homes. So there's so many outlets for inspiration. It's best to do a lot of research a lot of looking, a lot of following TV shows that you like design of or movies or looking through some interior design books, look through things online. On Instagram, you see things in their situation, beautifully designed restaurants and stores. That's a way to become informed and gather a lookbook of what you're interested in. I would start with that first, and then I would go look at paint swatches. Think about, do you want to do one wall in a bold choice? Are you going to do your whole house? How is the house laid out? What is the natural light situation? And have a project for yourself of information gathering. And then absolutely the best thing to do is to get these oversized swatches or get little canisters and paint two coats on your walls in different places in the room. I have been so inspired that I'll tell you, last week I saw this incredible wallpaper on Instagram it struck me. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It's so bold and so interesting. It took a lot to track down, but we found it in Italy and we're using it. It's being made for us and shipped to us and we're using it on my new project. Whoa, that makes me excited to think there's like other colors available in other countries to be discussed on our international episode. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, so Beth, once you pick your color, how do you know what sheen to go with? Because I know that is very confusing to people. I've walked into people's homes and they have high gloss on all their walls and I'm bewildered. I feel like I'm in a dance club. So what yeah, in the world? Yeah, that's scary, Carol. <laughs> yes. <I laughs> that might have been a mistake. <laughs> you think? <laughs> so how do you pick it? The way that you pick what sheen you're going to use is all about the quality of your walls. First of all, high gloss should never be used on a wall. High gloss or semi-gloss or satin is used on trim, doors, baseboard moldings, and potentially in the bathroom and the kitchen, places of high traffic, places where hands are touching, because it can really take much more of a beating than flat paint. Flat paint is used on your walls, and the goal is to do the prep work that's needed to really make your walls as perfect as they can be, to do your paint and spackling, or to have someone do it. And I will tell you that when you have someone working for you painting, what I call out is something I refer to always as holidays. 
a paint holiday is where the painter missed a little part of the wall and has to go back in. And a very good thing to do is to plan with your contractor or your painter a day and time to meet to do what we call a punch list or the list of holidays where you go around with your glasses on, if you wear glasses. Right, your magnifying glass. Your magnifying glass. And you point out every place that needs a touch-up. And the reason why you want the touch-ups to happen to complete the job is, first of all, you know, that's what you've hired someone to do. But What you have to realize is that paint ages and paint ages because of light, because of wear, because of the years go on and the paint in that can ages as well. So even if you have extra, which good thing to do is to have extra paint available instead of going and buying a new fresh can, let's say a year or two or three years later, is because it's very hard to get the color exactly the same. So when you get these holidays fixed, when they need to be fixed, you're much more likely not to see an area that needed fixing and didn't get fixing, but also it's hard to go back in. Right. You end up with that swipe somewhere that's like, that doesn't look like the same color as what's right next to it. The other thing is that if you're doing this yourself, and sometimes even professionals, they use a brush that they use flat paint on or a brush that they use gloss paint on. And when that mistake is made, you'll see like a brush stroke in semi-gloss on a flat surface. Those are things to look out for. You know, it's, you just it's solved a the mystery of a couple of different people's houses. I know, <laughs> honestly, because there's like but one it swipe, and you're like, why does the light yep. hit that wall differently? Right, just one swipe. Yep. Ah, <laughs> I will have to share that. Especially when you're doing all white, especially in apartments. Very, very often that happens. The paintbrush with the semi-gloss hits someplace that should be flat. Also, windowsills are another kind of high traffic area that usually get the trim satin or semi-gloss. There are also a lot of options available now with low chemical paints and things that are healthier, good for people who have allergies and all kinds of respiratory stuff. And babies, little kids. And babies. Pets. Yes. (laughs) So, Beth, I know one of the questions that we get a lot from different people is not knowing exactly what to paint in their room, which sounds a little bit funny, but like we know you're going to paint the wall and we know we're going to paint the trim, but do I paint my doors? Do I paint the hinges on my door? Where do I know to stop, basically? Oh, please. Please let me help you with that and be the decorator by your side. Excellent. Tell us. Do not paint your hinges. Oh, my if Lord. There's so were... many people squeeing right now. Yeah. If your hinges were painted in the past. What do you do? I wish that you would consider new hinges. If you can't consider new hinges, because you can't afford them, that's fine. But if you can, try to get yourself new hinges. If you paint hinges, they're going to chip. I mean, there's just no way around it. Try not to paint your hinges. Don't paint your doorknobs, again, unless they were painted in the past. 
Don't paint your switch plates. How about your outlet covers? Do yourself a favor. Take the outlet covers and the switch plates off. Mm-hmm. And then screw them back on. Literally that 15 minutes will save you. Save you from looking at fingerprinted switch plates and all kinds of crackled outlets and outlet covers. That blue tape is your friend. Put that blue tape around your doorknobs <laughs> if you're painting yourself. Of course, if you're hiring a painter, this is like one-on-one. They should never paint that or have a conversation with you. Now, I was going to say, now they should know that, but you should go ahead and, and let them yes. know what your preference yep. is. Absolutely. Hollow core doors, which are not solid, you know, those kind of wood When you knock on them, you can hear it, that they're hollow inside. That wood usually has some kind of finish on it. It's very hard to paint over that. But if you're going to paint hollow core doors, you need to sand them super, super well to get that finish off. The other problem with painting some doors are when you have pocket doors and you paint those, they can get stuck. When you paint window trim and when you paint any kind of accordion door say you've got a accordion door to your pantry or to your washer dryer little closet painting those accordion doors is very difficult some people can do the sweat equity themselves and paint the walls and maybe it's best to just see if you can get a painter to do your trim and your doors Those are things that you have to try to have as much patience as possible with. So Beth, what are the other paint trends that you're encountering this season? Well, there's not a new thing exactly, but there is kind of a draw to this cocoon-like situation of monochromatic decorating. You know, I think it's popular because, again, it's it's very soothing. If you love a certain color, and it's a, a livable color, let's say, some people tend to do the, we call it grayish, like the grays and the beiges, and they create an entire space of that, which I actually happen to like, and it is very evocative of a modern look, a modern, clean look, very easy to live in. And then what sometimes we do is we ground things, whether it's a baseboard or the back of a door or certain furniture legs in black. So it's not exactly monochromatic. It's more on the black and white or black and grayish spectrum. That's kind of a way to do it. And then, of course, you can always add a pop of color. And that's something I think a lot of people find easy to live with. And then there's full-on monochromatic decorating where, let's say you take that deep teal blue and you're going to do a bedroom, even if it's a small room. One of my bedrooms in a house years ago was painted navy blue And the entire room ended up being that. It was a small bedroom. The headboard was navy blue. The bed skirt, navy blue. Everything navy blue. It had two big windows with incredible light. And it was just like a cocoon. It really worked. 
So there's a lot to be said for that too, this trend of monochromatic decorating. You can also use paint as camouflage in a way to draw your eye away from someplace that's not what you want to feature to make something fade or go away. Very often I use paint colors on certain walls and I consider very much what's going on outside the windows on that wall. It pushes that fourth wall away. When you start to have things that coexist or repeat themselves from your interior to your exterior, It's surprising how the architecture fades and it almost looks like it's one room. I know it might be hard to understand visually over the air here, but uh, it's a way in which... Uh, I think I've mentioned this where, you know, I was working in a loft space that had an entire wall of beautiful old brick. And that brick was on one wall But the wall that faced out, that faced a brick building across the street, I painted that wall the same brick color. And it made the the wall disappear. And it looked like almost a wall of glass, you know, that you just kept seeing further and further and further ahead of you. So paint can disguise and it can enlarge a room. It can do really interesting visual tricks. I know people do things like that when they have like radiators or pipes or things like that, being able to paint them, maybe the wall color or some way for them to just kind of disappear into the background. Exactly. Or they take it as a trend or as a look. Very often on set, if we do like a hipster loft or something, maybe we want to, sometimes we even add those pipes. So, you know, when you're building a set from the ground up and you want it to look realistic, a set decorator's job is to get that air conditioning vent and all those pipes and all that hardware and everything that makes it look real. I just got a radiator on on Friday for a set that we're building. So, yes, you can either paint them the same color as the wall and the ceiling and make them go away. Or you can make them a part of the vibe, a part of the look. Wow, I want that hipster loft look and I'm going to make it even more noticeable by painting all of this stuff black or red or silver. I feel like it's one of those things that I never thought about painting things to make them not show up. I've only thought about painting things to feature them. Um, It was an article that I was reading about Disney, how they had actually created these two colors, go away green and blending blue, so that as you're walking through the parks, there's certain things that they paint to make you not pay attention to those things. And I know we all have things in our house, right, that we don't want people to pay attention to. But that's the ultimate in camouflage. You know, it's really the trick of of camouflage. I mean, sometimes in our kit as a set decorator, what's called for, we carry branches to hang outside windows to camouflage a view, or we carry camo netting, literally in the world of greens and stuff to cover something, cover a fence. But these Disney colors are so interesting because it's almost like creating blue screen or green screen where you have that out a window on a set and then you can, through visual effects, feed in any look that you want. 
So these colors that make an area go away, they can help you as well. You know, they can lighten, brighten, fade. It's advanced visual effects in the most simplistic way just through a paintbrush. Beth, total side note, people are totally doing things now where I almost consider them like special effects when it comes to like makeup for their own just regular, you know, daily yes. look. They're like taping, taping, taping. Beth, do you hear me taping their faces into these different looks? But and they're, they're also like, using color. These yes, contouring and that's whatnot. That's right. Contouring, highlighting. When you watch one of those TikTok videos, you see how someone can completely transform with color, with highlight, with line and blending. And that's really what we're talking about. But for your home, it's really fascinating, but it is a visual effect and it's so simple, so cost-effective. Paint is for everyone. I am such a fan of changing it up through a good paint job. Now, I will say that it really is important to do your prep and do your homework if you're doing your own paint job because a bad paint job can draw your eye even more so than some old colored or old painted walls. So you want to really be a bit of a perfectionist about it. Beth, you've covered so much in this episode, and I know our listeners are going to have a ton of questions. We are going to hit so many other subjects that all tie into this in some other episodes this season. So you guys have to tune in to find out a little bit more about how to prep those walls and what other paint colors for exterior work. We've got a lot of things coming for you, so we're excited. Beth, what are you working on right now? What should people be looking out for? Right now, I'm working on a show that I can't quite reveal, but what I can tell you coming up is season two of Bridge and Tunnel and a film I did a New York unit of called The Adam Project, which is coming to Netflix on March 11th. And I would love to take any and all of your questions about paint colors. Send me pictures. I'm your set decorator and interior designer by your side. I want to see how you're living, what kind of paint you're choosing, what colors, what you're wondering about. So send any of your questions to me on Instagram at Beth Kushnick, and I am here for you. You heard our listeners send in your questions because there's a lot to get wrong here, but Beth can help you steer your ship right. So excited to hear from you guys. Here is a listener comment now. Hey guys, producer Mike here. Like Caroline said, submit your reviews and we'll read them on air. Just like Marty in Seattle, who left a comment. I just love hearing about your job, Beth. So much thought and creativity goes into these sets. I never thought about any of this before I started listening to your podcast. Five stars. Thank you, Marty in Seattle. If you guys leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or on Beth's Instagram page, or on Pod Clubhouse's Instagram page, or any of our social media channels, maybe we'll read yours on the air, too. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to your home at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave a five-star review. It helps a lot in promotion of the show. Five stars, people. Thanks for listening. Decorating the Set from Hollywood to your home is an original Pod Clubhouse production. Recorded, edited, and produced at Pod Clubhouse Studios. For more information, please visit us online at podclubhouse.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.